Welcome to another episode of the Banter Pub FC, the sauciest team in the game, the spiciest takes on the pitch. You already know what it is. So let's get straight into it. In the pub today, we have Neil, Armour, Adam, and we have myself, Joseph. Uh, so we're going to be talking uh, today about... Oh... God, I mean, where to begin? I mean, it's been a very eventful week in the Champions League. Obviously, we've had some European uh, League results come through today. Uh, the She Believes Cup has started today, uh, or continued today, I should say. Um, and we're going to get into a, a little bit of a, a bit of a contention recently. Bit of, you know, between one Kylian Mbappe, aka the best striker in the world, and one uh Haaland from Dortmund. So, I mean, why waste any more time? We should just go straight into around the pitch. So, let's start in Italy this week, where Inter are firmly your top of the table and uh champions elect. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, okay. Listen, listen. We Champions don't even encourage that other Milan. Come on now. Come on now. It's all about it is all about Inter Milan. I love it. You man clowned Inter Milan as Premier League outcasts and all them type of things there. And you know, no, just rebound for no, not you, Neil. I'm talking oh. about like the <laughs> talking about the internet mainly. The people, yes. Like, I remember all the bands where they were talking about how, you know, it's just basically Premier League rejects playing for, you know, down in Serie A and then Antonio Conte just basically taking the best of the, uh, you know, of the worst or whatever. But they are top of the table now and convincingly. So what say you all, gentlemen? Listen, as, as a, sorry, Ahmed, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, as a, at, you know, as a Inter supporter through and through, this is a it, it is a wonderful time. It feels like the '90s all over again. Um, it is really exciting. I love it. Uh, Ama, I know I cut you off, so please chime in. <laughs> but I just had to get that out because it's not that often that Inter is at the top of the table and far and away the best team in Italy. So I'm just in a very good mood right now. I was just gonna pour a little salt. On this whole theory that they're, you know, firmly in, in charge of the league. They're only up by a single point, you know. Um, it's it's a little bit tight. That's like, firm. That's firm. AC, That's firm. AC's, in this AC's down by one. 
this pandemic. You know, um, they do have a strong goal difference. Like if it comes down to it, they'll be, you know, that's in their favor. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for them because uh, Romelu is uh, Lukaku's playing well for them. But my, you know, I, I, I'm going to hold my peace on, on how firm their lead is. Um, the usual suspects, I was looking at the table earlier today and I was like, yeah, you know, the people you expect to be at the top are at the top. Now, granted, Juve is going through a bad time if they're having a, a really bad, no good, rotten Crimea River. season. They, they should have stopped signing old men. Yeah, really should have. I mean, but Yikes. I mean, they are called the old ladies, so I guess it makes. Yikes! Yeah, I mean, it's coming. It's catching up. Like, I'm sorry, but for Pirlo's first, you know, managerial venture out, this hasn't gone according to plan, has it? I mean, we could just go ahead and say that. And and term and in terms of firmness, just really quick on that. Okay, yeah, man did put a little bit of hyperbole on that. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it was yeah. tighter than that beforehand, and somebody has got their neck out, and that somebody. How, how, how can it be tighter it, than one point? I mean, it's it was like wasn't at certain points there were people who were like level on points. Like the what, top the three low. were level on points, and then um, it was it, like it was only like maybe a two point difference between first and sixth for a little bit or something like that. If we go back to one of the early episodes, I'm pretty sure that we said yeah, that. It, it was it was it was tighter like a month ago, but then it's, it's starting to start it's starting to take shape. No, it's starting to take shape. But I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, and great to talk about Serie A. I mean, first of all, I think we talked about it in a previous episode. It's great that they actually have a title race this year. Um, uh, as I'm gonna point out, the it's it's actually like Inter's at the top with 50 points. Atalanta and or actually Napoli, Atalanta, and Lazio are all tied at 40. Um, in sixth and seventh, it's just obviously goal difference separating those guys. Napoli and Juventus both have games in hand. Juventus has 42. So it's certainly not over yet. Let's recall that Sunday is a Milan Derby. And also Atalanta are taking on Napoli. So Sunday is a big day for Serie A. Um, we'll definitely get a big picture of what will happen. The Milan Derby is AC Milan hosting um, Inter this time around. Um, so... It should be pretty, like, it, it should take better shape. I don't think it'll still be gone. I think they still have, like, I think 16 more matches um, in that league. So um, it's it's definitely not a firm grasp on things going forward. But they definitely have the keys because also Inter, as much as a disappointment it is that they're playing European competition anymore, they're not playing European competition. They get extra rest when Juventus and all the other teams are still playing. Um in their respective league. So, I mean, uh, Inter does seem to have the keys, uh, but definitely a long way to go before uh, that's all settled. I still stand by the firm statement. I can't see past Inter winning the league. They are definitely poised to do better than anybody else, primarily because their form has been better than anybody else's. As tight as the race has been, Inter have been convincing winners in pretty much most of their matches, including against top opposition. They absolutely battered Juventus <laughs> the other week. And then they they walked away with a convincing result against AC Milan in the other. Um, what the Sorry, that was the Coppa Italia, wasn't it? Not the uh, yeah, yeah. Serie A, excuse me. But still, it goes into their run of form. They've actually not looked like losing 
in a lot of their matches, probably since the turn of the year. Like, they're in real good form right now. Scary form, right? I just can't see past them for the uh for the for the for the league, honestly. That's just me. And I'm not just saying that because it makes Neil happy to hear that. I do genuinely believe that Inter are the ones to beat for this area. And we're gonna humble Zlatan this Saturday or this weekend. I hope so. Yeah, I mean low key we might end up having to watch that together. Um, because it, it might get spicy. Let's take it to Spain. So Atletico Madrid, speaking of people, I mean, if, okay. So if we really want to use and be uh, like on point with the use of firm here, <laughs> <laughs> Atletico Madrid, boy. So their La Liga table gap has widened recently um, with their latest result coming in over the weekend. Boys, can we say it yet? Can we just go ahead and call it now? Can we? Because it just you know, doesn't. You know it's bad when you're just like, oh, wow, midweek they dropped a point to Levante. And like that gives people hope that <laughs> it's like, oh, they've dropped a point to Levante. It's like maybe there's a window. Sad, like Atletico still has a game in hand on Real Madrid, who's the closest right now, um, six points behind. It, and the way La Liga works, it just doesn't seem like it. Like, it's, it's just... Uh, it, it, six points is not crazy, but it feels insurmountable in La Liga. Um, this late, like this past halfway in the season, this is in just the way Atletico's been playing. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen for Real or Barca this year. Talk, talk about that goal difference real fast. <laughs> like, on top <laughs> he has a whole like the whole like Greyhound bus station is parked like for. <laughs> Uh, Diego Simeone. Goals like, allowed. That's not. Goals that's allowed. rude. That's just After rude. Twenty-two matches played. They're on fifty-five points. They have a goal difference of thirty-one, which is the outright best in the league. They have scored forty-five goals, which is second only to Barcelona, with forty-nine. Like their last five unbeaten. And I'm pretty sure their unbeaten run stretches a fair ways beyond that. So it's like, can we call it now? <laughs> can we just, can we just be like, okay, no, you're the champions. It's fine. I don't think we can. I mean, yes, my La Liga side is at the top of the table too, which I'm very. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Hala Madrid. Um, of course. Um, Hala Atleti. Um, you know. Uh, I, uh, because when I say Hala Madrid, I don't even acknowledge that there's another Madrid in the Madrid Derby. So that's why I say Hala Madrid. But anyway, <laughs> I'm ecstatic again that, you know, uh, Diego Simeone is, uh, delivering despite the fact that there were questions, um, that he was going to leave. I remember they were threatening to remove him uh, before the January window, um, or at least there, it wasn't. It wasn't Atletico Madrid saying so, or their board. It was there was a rumor that he was being shopped to other clubs, other European clubs, as potential options uh, in as manager. And listen, um, Diego's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I'm thinking he's enjoying himself right now. 
Um, he's enjoying being at the top of the table, crushing, uh, crush, doing amazing things, um, riding on the fact that he is, uh, you know, not just at the top of the table, but, you know, uh, still bossing it up in Europe um, mm. and, do, and doing what needs to be done, right? Um, as of this recording, obviously his Champions League match has not been played yet, but um, or, or, or rather his side, you know, his side's match hasn't been played yet. Uh, but that notwithstanding, they are still strong. They haven't really dealt with a whole lot of injuries. In fact, this past January, when Jao Felix went down um, and is and is still in and out of action, they upgraded with Musa Dembele. So they got better as a team. Obviously, we already know how expansive they are in the midfield with the amount of players they have there. And not to mention the fact, again, I'm, I'm going to say it again for another week, Carrasco being back permanently now, right? Carrasco never should have left. They should have kept him. He never should have left. But the fact that he is back and the fact that he is playing without a chip on his shoulder is a beautiful thing. The, pla- the, the fact that across the board, Atletico Madrid not just has a fantastic starting 11, but I'd argue, I don't know how the rest of you feel, but I'd argue that they have a pretty decent reserve team that could go up and potentially beat a lot of the, the top European clubs right now. The backups. And how many years ago, you know, we were saying the same thing for Manchester City for about, you know, for several seasons, right? Everybody was saying, oh, they're buying up all these players and they're doing all these things. Now we're saying it for a Spanish side. Now we're saying it for, for a side that doesn't get the credit that it deserves. And I'm ecstatic. Um, I'm not going too far away and crown them just yet, Joseph, but I think they are well on their way to claiming the title. And as Adam said, it is incredibly difficult in La Liga for clubs when there is a gap points-wise. It's, it's incredibly difficult to make up those games. Not to mention the fact that Atletico Madrid has a game in hand on Real Madrid. So that just adds to the effect. I just... Let me throw a couple of stats at you. By my accounts, at least looking at their latest results, they have not lost a match in the league since the 12th of December. It was a 2-0 loss to Real Madrid. They last won the league in 2013. In terms of their overall run of form, they've only lost two matches if you factor in the 1-0 loss to UD uh, uh, Cornella. So, I don't know. <laughs> just um, I'm at a place where I'm just thinking to myself, nah, these uh, they've got one hand on the trophy. They really do. Uh, they just don't look like losing. Um, so why don't we just go ahead and then bounce it to England for a second? Another uh, league where it seems like a foregone conclusion. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, we saw Leicester do the thing against Liverpool. You're defending. And reigning champions. Uh, against... We can't call him defending anymore because Klopp gave up the. Uh, he said we're not retaining the title, so they're not retaining. So because they're not retaining anything, they, they 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 no longer can claim 
champions when they don't even want to fight for the championship. <laughs> they're not defending anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I defending. think it's I think that's all mind games personally, but I take your point, Neil. Um meanwhile, the champions elect have decided to go through uh Spurs and just go ahead and wipe the floor with them like we knew they would. So um thoughts gentlemen armor i'll pitch it to you first seeing that we've uh finished up in spain and i don't think you uh got your say on that so tell you me. know I, yeah i you know I, I i enjoy barcelona for the for the drama but I, I, I you're right i don't have a i don't have a team in spain um when you come come back to england look at the look at the table and you see, oh, it's it's ten points now, <laughs> ten points between City and United, and um, no longer a game in hand, but that that gap looks really um, really hard to close. And for United, City's uh, tied on points, and so there's a you know it's a it's a tight race for you know, I guess two through six. Um, where where we've got just for the record Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool, respectively, um, forty two, forty two, forty, as far as points totals um, after twenty four games. So here we are, like essentially almost two thirds of the way through the season, and City's running away with it, um, and the the quote unquote top six includes West Ham, does not include Arsenal or Tottenham, or even, you know, popular pick at the beginning of the season, Everton. Um, Who got smashed by City? uh, (laughs) Well, you know. Yeah, I mean, they they, they took it. But the the City performance that's warming my soul um, is the beating of Spurs. in the week that was that was um, an enjoyable experience for most of us um the Devinson Sanchez gif will live for a really long time in the little weird green <laughs> spurs kit where he's like essentially planking while <laughs> while a goal is being scored it's just like okay you know weird 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 flex but I think it's nothing but appropriate um, for for a uh, city to beat Spurs, but the real nasty one was the Leicester result uh, over Liverpool. That's it. So, so as the United fan on the pod, um, what do you have to say about that Liverpool collapse? I mean, Neil? what what is there left to say? about the Liverpool collapse. When they, are, when they are starting their midfielders who are attacking midfielders in their defense and not even in, their, and not even in the central m- midfield defensive position, they are literally playing them as center halves, right? When you have Milner and Henderson and um, Fabinho as center half options, because VVD is out and you don't trust Joe Gomez and the center backs that you signed in January, you don't know what to do with them yet. Like, <laughs> and not to mention, let's just call a spade a spade. Allison has really been stinking it up recently. 
that's, between, that's but, but, uh, you know, you know, between the posts, um, yeah. he he was he was without a doubt the best goalkeeper in the world last season. Goes without saying. This season, not the case. I mean, he's just it's not it's not good. It's not good. So I think so. Part of it. Do you think that part of the Liverpool collapse, at least? Well, let's say let's shrink it down to the Allison performances. He's just tired of having like whack center backs or no center backs and like you know and full backs that only play one way it's just like where's the where's the where's the shield where's like he's been doing his best the whole season keeping a minute and it's not enough once they lost bvd i think it was inevitable that the season was going to wear down on him you I mean, know, I think he'll, I think he'll re- recover, but it will be too little, too late. Yeah, I mean, I think it it wasn't just VVD's unfortunate injury at the beginning of the season that I think led to the collapse. Obviously, Joseph's going to make mention, and it's true, the Klopp curse is obviously well, well <laughs> in effect. But I, but I think, but I think in in addition to that, Jurgen did the opposite this past summer of what he did when they ended up winning the Champions League and the title. Because prior to that summer, he went out and filled roles and got depth. This season, he just didn't even focus like they're like the the biggest signing they got was Tiago. And that was and and Diego Jada and Minamino. Yeah. So they so they so they bolstered their attack but did nothing for their defense because they just expected VVD to be fine. And Joe Gomez to be his partner. And they obviously had Matip and you know, but Matip is injured. They don't trust Joe Gomez. And VVD is done for the season. And you know, yeah, there was the video of him rehabbing and, you know, it looks like he could be he, you know, he could be potentially back before the season's end. But he hasn't been at Anfield uh in the stands for any of their games. Um, like other injured players, usually when a, when a player is coming back from an injury, they usually will go in the stands when they're like at 90, 95% and, and, and be in the stands for their respective club. That's not the case for VVD. He's literally been rehabbing the entire time. And my concern, because he injured himself so severely, if they rush him back and he, hurt, and he re-injures himself, particularly in the same place, He's probably going to have to be retired from football, which I, I know he doesn't want to do. So I think I think you you were onto something when you said he hasn't been at the field. I I I don't think he's as far as long as far along as they want us to believe, and in, in his recovery. And um, I think and like you said, it would be foolish to rush him back in if he's not ready. Um, the season like the season's gone, right? So what's the what's the benefit um, of bringing him back and? risking that injury so i think they'll take it slow plus you know we're in COVID times bro like this i i I, it's not worth it right to to be out there the the thing i you know i called it a collapse because like the result against leicester was 3-1 leicester beat liverpool 3-1 but but salah scored first right and it was no no first half you know next thing you know you know, I don't know, 60th or something like that, uh, Salah scores. And then late in the game, you know, when this after the stubs start coming in, that's when, you know, I think it was Madison, then Vardy, 
Uh, and then my boy uh, Didi got a got an assist for the last goal. Yes, he uh, did. Yes, he did. Uh, Harvey Barnes. Yeah. So like that match was was really good because it was just like whoop. It was it was just they. <laughs> it was a wonderful. It was like a, a wonderful result, and the goals were good goals. Um, and yeah, they just look real real shaky, not confident, and um, you know. It's I, honestly, I, I'd say it's a little bit sad. I've mentioned a couple of times I picked them to to retain the title, and it's they're they look really really far from being anywhere close to doing that. And and on and to be frank, it's been that way for a little while. And if they had done what I said in terms of this past summer and even this January, like. Liverpool fans were hounding United fans for trying to find a striker in the summer. We ended up getting we ended up getting Egalo on loan and Cavani on a year and a half deal. And they were like, you guys had to scrape the bottom of the barrel. Now who looks foolish scraping of the bottom of the barrel to get center halves? When you should have done that the previous summer. If you didn't believe in Matt Tip, if you didn't trust Joe Gomez, if you wanted a partner for VVD at the back. Because again, at that time, VVD was healthy. Now, this is not me harping on Liverpool's woes, right? This is me saying that they, did, that they built their team around their depth and they focused on the wrong positions. In contrast, we have a team like City that is cruising right now. They knew where their problems were. They acknowledged them, Pep did. And he built for depth. That's why you have Ruben Diaz. The fact that the fact that City has not played Aguero and KDB for large chunks of the season and are rolling like this is pretty damn frightening. Like, it's scary. It really is scary. It's scary. But I would argue that Liverpool was never as threatening in their with their second eleven, quote unquote, as they were with their first. Right? There's no way you're gonna swap out. Salah, Mane, bring on a Minamino or Ox, or even a Shakiri and say, oh yeah, they're just as dangerous. Right? Even Jota, not- who they got at the start of the season, who started pretty well for them. Um, everybody was scared when they picked him up from Wolves, because that was a pretty sizable fee for him to be basically a back striker. Um, he was good. No, but he was He was good. great, he, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, that, was, that was smart business, but like Neil was saying, like they should have been looking to strengthen the back line. Absolutely. And, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like a man, a wise young man like Mikhail Arteta did. But that's neither here nor there. I think before we shift off of the Prem, can we talk about how Chelsea have been performing since Tuchel's been in charge? Um, quite as it's kept, as much as you might not like it, they're starting to like scrape through tiny little improvements and they appear to be trying to build on it. Trust your black players. I mean, Um, before I uh, remark on the Chelsea thing, I just want to say that the reason why Liverpool are leagues away from winning the league this season is because statistically they are. At this stage of the season, last season, they were in first with 70 points. This season, they're in fourth with 40. There's a 30-point difference. They have lost their last three matches on the bounce this season. 
So mm. I don't need to say it. I've been saying it. We all know what this is. <laughs> when will you give me my thing? Just <laughs> anyway, Chelsea. Yes, I will concede that Thomas Tuchel has definitely got them playing a lot more responsibly defensively. Those three clean sheets on the bounce. Pretty, 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 pretty good signal of intent that things are changing around at Stamford Bridge. I think, um, yeah, you have to kind of take Chelsea seriously again. He could, for all intents and purposes, if the form that they've got keeps up, they could definitely be in with a shout of uh, qualifying comfortably for the Champions League next season, thus rebounding Chelsea's season the way it started. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Arma. I think um, they, they, did, they made the right approach with Thomas Tuchel because he's got them playing a lot more responsibly and they're looking a lot more convincing. I still don't see it for uh, Captain Wonderbread over there, but, um, you know. That's a I mean, that 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 that's 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 a petty thing. All you have to do, <laughs> Tuchel, Tuchel obviously is way more um way more technically um skilled than Lampard ever would be as a coach, and then also he trusts the black players. Like that's from the first match. He's like, hey, Reese James, you run, go crazy on the right. Like he trusts them. He's like, I can see the holes that we could exploit, like game management in the first half. Let's switch this up. Like that's what good coaches, managers do. Um, and yeah, honestly, Tulsi, I like the team you love to hate also has probably a lot of players. I, I want to get out of there because I, I love the players, but I hate their team. But I mean, yeah, they're, they, when they put it together, the reason you don't like them is because if, when they put it together, they are. They can be pretty dangerous. They can always surprise you. I mean, that match. I mean, no, we're talking about Prem right now, but the match on Tuesday with Atletico, uh, that's going to be a lot more interesting than we thought. Um, I think mm-hmm. when we were talking about this two weeks ago, we were like, "Oh no, Atletico's well got be. that." Yeah. Right, now right, it's now right. it's like, "Oh, this is going to be uh, that's going to be must see television." So um, yeah, Chelsea's uh, what we don't like to see. They're threatening again. Um, they've got a lot of pieces. Obviously, not a squad that's going to be a a title contender this year, but certainly just the team you the team you don't want to see when they're when they're when they're playing pretty well. So, correct. Yeah, I'll say on Tuchel, like he, uh, I guess I guess Joseph said it. And I don't. know, Maybe I'm beating a dead horse, but like he will play a three four three if need be. He, he will three center backs and and put Reese James in a wing back position. Way more dangerous, right? Without leaving you exposed. <laughs> in behind right like i think the the tactical um skill set that he brings uh, is definitely superior to to uh, frank and and he's starting to show results um i think I, he's he also brought rudiger back right when is the last time he played for frank i, I it's i think there's there's something to be said for you know making the change maybe the Crazy Russian was right. Well, well no. if we're talking, if we're talking, you know to- right. <laughs> God, oh well, I'm not going there. So, if we're talking about Tuchel, we might as well talk about his previous club, PSG, and what they did in the Champions League. Uh, so, in case, 
but, but so, before we get to the before we get to the Champions League, I think we got to talk about Ligon because they're not at the top of the table. So, <laughs> so um, not to cut you off, Joseph, because because we obviously want to talk about what PSG did to Barcelona in the Champions mm-hmm. League. Spoiler alert! Yeah. But um, <laughs> we are going to talk about that for sure. But um, huh. so uh, the Ligon table is you know Lille is still at the top by one point. We can't say that, you know. I think Joseph, you would you would probably say that Leo does not have one hand on the title. Um, I know yeah. I know you were saying that in other leagues, but certainly not this one. Um, uh, I need to say this again for the not just for our listeners, for but for the greater soccer community. Ligon is not a farmers league, and I need people to stop saying that shit. Yeah, They're, that's that does need to be said. This is a there, this is a league that's hosted some of the greatest players the world has ever seen. Do you know what I mean? Like in their prime, mind you. In their prime. And that would include Ronaldinho. So and you. I'm I'm really it's mostly Prem fans who like to say that because there's the whole England versus France thing. Um but there are a whole lot of French players, particularly Francophone players that are playing in the Premier League right now that uh, would probably be playing for Ligue 1 um, if the money was right. Um, and there are players um, that left the Prem to go to Ligue 1 recently and are finding success. Um, and Andrew Herrera. <laughs> um, yeah, Idissa Gay is definitely one of those biggest names, I think. You know, Moise Keane. Moise Keane is another one, yeah. Uh, who had a goal on Tuesday, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, I'm really tired of uh, certain podcasts, certain brands, certain accounts who focus on crushes and not on tactics when it comes to certain leagues. Um, <laughs> like, you know, you got to focus on the important topics, right? You, and not just talk about farmer. Like, you, you can't just focus on crushes and say, you know, you can't say they're a farmer's league and you have a crush on a certain player. And all that. like, it's got to be, there's got to be more substance to your, to your statement. Um, and I just, it's really annoying for me that I, that, that you know, it seems like every week, that we talk about Ligue 1, or we talk about tactics, or we talk about, you know, Ama just broke down uh, uh, what Thomas Tuchel is, is doing at Chelsea and, and talking about that. And there are some podcasts and brands that don't like to apparently talk about tactics, and they care more about stories for some reason. Well, you don't have stories without tactics. They go hand in fucking hand. I mean... um, so when it comes to Ligue 1, there are tons of stories in that league. You know, Lille is right now... They don't have a hand on the title. They are, you know, they are a point ahead of PSG. Um, and PSG is certainly not at full strength. Unless you kind of, unless you talk about their European play. <laughs> but we're about to talk about that in a second. But Joseph, go ahead. Um, I mean, shout out to um, uh, Scissor Kick Sellers for this wonderful South Australian Shiraz that you've made. Um, I just want to say that this glass of red definitely goes down 
better with Shade. Um, I, you know, I guess we can just go ahead and move into the Champions League stuff from there, to tell you the truth. The title race for me in League One is just... It's one of the more exciting ones, I think. Um, you know, for a while, it's just been PSG, 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 PSG. And then who was the one club that won it in between, like, five or six straight runs in a row for PSG? Oh, Probably man. Leon. Was it Leon? I think Probably. It, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be... Oh, well, Monaco came close. I feel like Marseille had a season in there too that they had like a run, yeah. but I can't call it. But the season, yeah. bef- the season before Olivier Giroud, I remember before he came to Arsenal, he was playing for Orient, and they won the league as like a, a surprise runaway victor um, for for that 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 campaign. Um, but damn it. I can't remember who the other club was in that, you know, in between the, because it was a big deal when that happened because it stopped PSG from breaking uh, Leon's record of winning the league seven times in a row, um, which is still an incredible feat. I don't care what, that, that's the other reason why you can't call League a farmer's league. Seven times in a row, that's an incredible achievement. Like to win your domestic league, Seven times in a row. Listen, don't get me started. Anyway, Champions League. Kylian Mbappe is the best striker in the world. I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) I have a question for Adam as the, uh, and it's not a shady question, it's a legit question. Um, As a Barca supporter, um, did Kylian Mbappe... uh, Take Messi behind the barn and end things with like end his UCL career at Barcelona. Did yeah? Did, did that? Did he, did he give him the where the red fern grows treatment? Did that happen, um, sir? If you would, please. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, I watched the first half, and <laughs> I will say that it was one of those things. Like actually watching, I was like, "No, this is this is changing of the guard." I got like I had to turn it off because I was like, "It's sad for Lionel Messi to go out like this, but this is how he's like. This is like this is the. To- I mean, if you saw Naomi Osaka, it's not the first time she's beat Serena, but." It felt different last night when she won and Serena's kind of waving. It's kind of like, yeah, this might be it for me. That's how it felt watching. And I know Messi's not at that place at all. We obviously know he's got at least two or three more. Who knows? Honestly, I wouldn't put anything past Messi for how many years he would choose to play. Like, it's really up to him. But there was something different about watching that match. It was like... It was one of those times I was like, I hope this is really just the audition for the guy who's coming to replace Messi. I mean, I know it's not going to happen. Barcelona's broke. We'd have to like mortgage everything to bring him, but it's honestly their best option. But yeah, Mbappe played. I mean, and we had that false hope at the start. I mean, it's like, oh, penalty. But the worst part is like watching it was like, we don't even have, I can't rest on this because our defense is so trash. That no, we we have to score more goals. It's the only way we have a chance here, and that's exactly what happened. Like, um, 
PSG was rolling. Um, they came out inspired. Um, Barca just can't keep up. That's just really what it is. Um, they, and, defense, and, 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 and frankly, this is not there. Frankly, Adam, I, and, and I don't know if anybody else picked up on this tactics wise, um, but playing Pochettino, man. Well, no, well, no, I mean, Pochettino putting Pereira in a striker position, that man is a CDM. And he had the audacity when, when he already knew the game was in hand and he put Pereira up top. That's how he, that's how he knew he had already broken Barcelona's back. Barca's back. Like, that's how, that is when he knew. The defending was shambolic from uh, from Barca. I think it was best. I think it was. I think it was best encapsulated by the fact that um, ESPN FC posted a picture of PK (laughs) was PK holding on to Kylian Mbappe for dear life, brethren. Just like it was one of the greatest stills I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Kylian Mbappe is rapid. He was going to run that old, decrepit backline into the ground. And he did it inside maybe 30-odd minutes. I don't know, Mike. I mean, what's a fair assessment? Because I think Barca were beat, and they were beat early. Like, Oh, it was early. Yeah, that's what I mean. I want to say it was about the 30, 30 the, after the second goal. I was like, no, this is... This is not you don't come back from because just it's also not it was the way they scored the goals and just Mbappe. I mean, Mbappe is confident, period. That's that's who he is. Like from from when he's come on the scene, we know that. But there is just something about how like he knew even his face after he scored the first goal. Like He was like, no, I'm going to score again. Like it was like this is inevitable. He had like there was just something about the feelings just watching it like man this is this just isn't going to end well for Barca and it isn't and the worst part is this was at the camp new the one place maybe you hold on for a draw and if they embarrass you in Paris that's fine that's right. it's home and right. now it's like it's what, peak for you out here it's 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 a it's a wrap it's a wrap there's no <laughs> way I mean. <laughs> it's it's a pure rap. Like it'd be amazing. It'd be levels of Liverpool coming back to beat Barca in the semifinals at this rate if Barca somehow comes back from this. Um, How you know you How, what does exactly come, what does a Barca? Come I don't back know what you do. It's 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 messy with a hat trick. It's also like Griezmann and Dembele also scoring. Like that's that would have to happen. All the things have to align. Like, I don't know where the planets are, if Mercury's going to be out of retrograde at that point, but you're going to have to have everything working towards Barca. Like, there's just no way. Alma, do you see an upswing in this soap opera that is, uh, are you being Barcelona'd? No, there's there's no way. (laughs) There's no way these guys are going to recover from this. (laughs) This is on a spiral. This is essentially the death spiral of Barca. There's like, like Adam has said it before, they should have done the rebuild earlier. You know what I mean? Like this is—it's just—it's painful for us all to watch. This is Ali fighting in the eighties. You know what I mean? Like this is not what we. Nobody wants Ali Spinks. <laughs> we don't want to see this. You know what I mean? Uh, we don't want to see this. There's that's a, a very, very great team. That's a great analogy. This is exactly what it's like. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 
and and I gotta circle back because it was bothering me. It was Monaco that broke the uh, PSG dominance. Okay, uh, twenty. I want to say the twenty seventeen season. But the the reason I wanted to is like this is the squad. The, the squad had Falcao, Radamel Falcao, and yes, yeah, and Kylian right. Mbappe. Remember, yeah, yeah. we were in for Thomas Lamar. We were from that we same were. squad. Yes, we were. Bernardo That's Silva right. was on that squad. Bakayoko yeah. was on that squad. Benjamin yeah, Mendy, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Fabinho left after that season and went to yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. You know, this they were they were they were stacked with mostly young young players, and they they were doing the business like and you know they had like Falcao captaining. It was a, it was a thing. Uh and they, they also, ran- I think, um, if, if I remember from that season, Falcao scored that gorgeous goal for Monaco against Man City in the Champions League. In the um, Champions League, exactly. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. in Champions League that year, they had like a great that, that, that was that a great, yeah. So they were down, mm-hmm. I think they lost, mm-hmm. they lost away to City mm-hmm. and then one at home. And then somehow, like away goals or something, like they qualified, they made it through on away goals. And yeah, then no, it was like the ended up losing to Juve. I, 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 I think it was the return leg because the first leg they were uh, City, I think, hosted, if I remember rightly. I remember, but that one, the goals were scored because yeah, it was away goals. It was away yeah. goals. So, yes, yeah. yeah, and those goals were incredible. Well. They were away goals, but they were just incredible goals. Falcao had his way with City that night. It was incredible. Um, And that's what you get, Jonathan, for not being here to defend your faves. (laughs) That's what you get. Anyway, when we get back, we're going to continue. (laughs) We're going to continue um, talking about Mbappe, but how he compares to Haaland. And we're going to get into a little bit of the uh, the the discourse, if you will. But we're going to pay for your bills. We'll be right back. Stick around, won't you? The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors. Same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at thegdsauce.com. Use the discount code THEBANTAPUBFC to save 15%. And you caught the sauce. Bows up. And we're back. So, thanks for sticking around. Um, so let's talk about all this discourse between uh, Haaland versus Mbappe. Um, now, I, admittedly, I hadn't seen a lot of it because for me, there is no debate. Mbappe is better than, than, than Haaland. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint all the people that, you know, are really, really gearing to go ahead and double down on the support of their, you know, their fave, their great white hope. But nope, it's Mbappe. (laughs) I don't need to see any arguments. Thank you very much. But you know what? What do you lads think about what's going on? Because, I mean, this, this, this is the topic du jour. Because it it got a bit spicy, from what I understand, and I really want to know why people think Harland in particular has a shout for being anywhere, 
anywhere nearly as good as Mbappe, but better than him. I, I don't I, think I'm going to start with this, Joseph. Strikers that don't have eyebrows are not a, that you know that look like they're from the Cretaceous period. You know, a bit, like a smooth, uh, like like. I, I thought he was coming with like some measured, reasonable comparison. No. This man just went straight for the jugular. Let, let me step in real quick because <laughs> I'll be a little, I'll be a little more measured than Neil, who 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 acts like your your uncle, and then he'll shank you in the neck. <laughs> um, I think what they're what what I'm mostly journalists and fans or whatever these people who are putting up this this rivalry, quote unquote, they're just thirsty for something to live up to the Messi versus Ronaldo era that we were fortunate to live through. And, you know, they're picking, to me, the clear, you know, one of the clear heirs to the throne. It's like when, when Mike was leaving and all these people were wearing Jumpman. You know what I mean? Like he picked a few players to to you know to wear his wear his shoe. It's like yeah, there's a there's a handful of players who will have a task to fill those boots, but it's going to take a minute. Mbappe has performed, um, I think, to date he has performed. He's won the league. He's won the world World Cup. He's like so. I feel like it's it's too early to make the comparison to Holland, but I think what's driving the conversation or the need for this conversation, this this kind of manufactured rivalry, is the, the fact that you know we know that Messi and Ronaldo are no longer at their peak, and and so we're looking for the next great thing, the next great conflict, the next great comparison, because you know that makes for good chit chat. I mean, I guess I, I, I think definitely uh, your points hold merit. And, I, and I'll just add Ama that like, when I, when I see, you know, Joseph earlier uh, touched on the ESPN FC tweeting out, um, you know, PK holding on to uh, killing Mbappe's uh, kit running past him. and pundits, mostly white pundits, um, including a former U.S. men's national team player that is well-respected, and I respect him, so I'm not going to mention his name, but including him, uh, went ahead and used, were, were tweeting an edited picture of Holland's face on Mbappe's body and being, uh, you know, running away from that game, you know, in the match he played. And obviously, um, the Dortmund match was certainly not as thrilling as, you know, uh, the PSG uh, Barca title fight was. I mean, and it was a title fight. You're talking about two titans of Europe. Um, and, Dor and Dortmund, despite the fact that I support Dortmund, right? Like, this comparison is silly. And it's silly on the basis that Holland just left RB Salzburg recently yes, that's correct. and yes when he was at Salzburg in the Champions League they were tearing it up and he was scoring goals left and right and it's why he ended up at Dortmund right but at the end of the but, but but at the end of the day he is not he is still not the talisman of of, of that team that's Marco Royce and until Marco Royce retires it's always going to be Marco Royce so because 
Michael Royce is the talisman of that team, and everything literally goes through him. If you remember, Michael Royce had been injured for half of this season playing for Dortmund. So as a mm-hmm. result, Dortmund wasn't playing well. They weren't scoring goals. They weren't, you know, they weren't clicking, right? Because everything goes through Michael Royce. Because he is the linchpin of that team. Not Erling Holland. Erling Holland just waits for a lobbed ball at the end of a run and maybe scores, maybe not. Like it's a completely like they are completely different players. At least Killian drives down the pitch, you know, sometimes on the wing, sometimes down the middle. You know, that last goal that he scored, his third goal to, you know, to get the hat trick against uh uh Barca, um when he uh uh you know, when uh, Draxler was driving down the middle and they and the entire defense of Barcelona focused on Draxler and they didn't even let they they didn't have a person on Killian and Killian just whizzed past the entire team and then Draxler just you know just passed it to him lightly and Killian put it in the back of the net. Like <laughs> it was a measured strike. There have been a lot of players that have been compared to Pele over the years, certainly in my lifetime. None of them have really held up to that to, to, to that comparison. I think maybe the only one that I can think of is R9, Ronaldo. But Killian? Killian deserves that comparison. He's already... He's already just he's unplayable. You you can't even catch him. Like he's just it's ridiculous how gifted this man is in terms of what he's done already. He comprehensively ran away with the golden boot, I think, in the World Cup. Was it not him that won it? Like he 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 just is lightning quick. On top of that, he's a two-footed player. On top of that, he can put the ball wherever he wants in the back of the net. He is a complete forward. And if anybody deserves being mentioned in the same breath as Pele, it is definitely this kid. I'm willing to I'm willing to hang my hat on that because I, I really feel like when you look at tape of Pele, when you look at Killian now, you see the levels like other than other than um brazilian ronaldo who else has really played like that you know with that kind of flair that kind of unplayable speed where you can't even catch the brother even when you're at the top of your game defensively like i'm sorry i'm with neil on this there just really and truly is no comparison right now None. And just, yeah, just going back to Mbappe, I mean, just like you're pointing out, Joseph, like he's just 22 as of December. 22. He was, he was, <laughs> and so Neil's point as a talisman, let's put into the perspective that we're, we're talking about the fact, right, Holland is never going to sniff a World Cup. So let's just put that out of the way. D- oh, that's the and, question I wanted to ask really quickly. Mbappe is going to be, I mean, Mbappe was a talisman at 20 on a World Cup team that was stacked. That man was starting with Olivier Giroud and Griezmann, who are like his contemporaries, and he's starting over, like, well, no, sometimes basically a partnership with Griezmann most of the time. But that was, or a winger. Like, 
think of like, I mean, and we think French strikers are actually, when you think about how many people don't play for the national team that could play for everybody else's national team for France, and Mbappe starting World Cup matches and is the talisman because everybody was mad at Didier Deschamps for playing what should have been like an offensive juggernaut and basically being the true defensive midfielder and just like park the bus and then, but he did it and he scored when he had to. And then they just gave up no goals. Like, it's just like, well, Killian's going to score and that'll be enough. And we'll just park the bus the rest of the time. And that's what happened. And they won the world cup. They should be the favorites for um, the Euros coming up this year, just because they've got Killian. And that's the reason, like they've got enough just by putting him on the pitch. Uh, To Ama's point before, I think I agree with them. It's just, it's for chit chat. It's for branding. Um, You know, Cristiano Juventus lost this week too in Champions League. It looks like it's really, you know, it's always the talk of like, oh, Messi and Ronaldo, when will it end? But now it looks like, okay, this looks like it's about to be a wrap, guys. Like, I mean, Juventus isn't looking like they're, I mean, a realistic chance that they're not going to win a Serie A title. They're not going to win this. Barca looks like, I mean, they're down in Copa del Rey. This could be a season without trophies for them. I think it definitely is. I mean, Holland is, what, 20 himself right now? I think they're just trying to set it up. It doesn't help. I mean, it helps when Holland gives some after his two-goal game that he says he watched the hat trick by Mbappe, and that actually gave him motivation. So it's they've got the recipe. Um, you know, those guys, If I honestly hope Mbappe stays with PSG. I hope PSG becomes like um, that he doesn't move to like one of the high-profile teams that they always say they're going to go to. Um, you know, Holland is going to move at some point. That's, you know, Dortmund sells their players at some point. So that's part of it. Um, I think they're just trying to set up something for, they hope another decade to be the next two stars that will always be in the conversation. And this is just the the groundwork for it. But, and you know, Holland, you know, it's true. He's 18 or 19. It's great when a kid scores goals as soon as he gets the Bundesliga and continues his run. It makes sense, but he's definitely, I, I mean, Mbappe's just already done, he's 22. 22? <laughs> he's just already done this much. Honestly, you kind of have to hope for, and I'm sure the, the when they have the draw after the second leg of Champions League matches, when they do quarterfinal semifinals, if, if Dortmund can hold on and PSG, I know they're going to pray that the quarterfinal, that is the quarterfinal draw, that is PSG Dortmund. Um, that they get that matchup, they can, that'll just the, 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 the Monday night football, the Super Bowl of quarterfinal Champions League matches, because it'll be a fever dream for those guys, like, because they're just trying to set up and they'll be like, well, this was the first time they met head to head and going forward, God forbid these two end up, actually end up in the same league at some point, like Ronaldo and Messi did, it'll, it'll be insufferable. Um, the amount of times that we'll hear them like who's better and so forth like you know it's always going to be Mbappe but they're just trying to big it up because I mean that's soccer that's branding Um, that gets the content going Um, but and honestly I can't think of another striker in the age range sub 25 right now who has the pro I mean I'll give Holland credit like who has the promise of that like other than Mbappe I can't think of one off the top of my head there are people who might have that chance but they definitely haven't showed it at this point so it's a natural thing I think for the media especially when you're supposed to create content all the time and social media we have debates every other day about who's the best of who's your Mount Rushmore or whatever 
Um, and so this is just part of that fodder. And, you know, that's and it helps that he's white, <laughs> too. <laughs> I'm sure they'll put that in as well. Somebody like, I mean, white strikers don't always happen. Uh, I mean, it, like really great white strikers, I feel like, in the last. So, but but years. I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, who would. Uh... You know, certainly, you can take a pick of the Italian crop from Alessandro Del Piero to. Um... But how long has it been? That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying in recent memory, other than Lewandowski and. Um, Lewandowski's Muller. definitely in there. Muller's definitely in He's there. He's in there. Yeah. It, right. But it's it's for recent, for people who just score. Um, like, and obviously, <laughs> Messi is white, Hispanic. I mean, but just. It's it's it, the younger guys. You don't see them coming up. I should say. I I don't see that many. I mean, we're not really talking about Patrick Manfred all the time. Um, no, no but he he's on, he's man. he's in decent form. They're he trying to make it. They're trying to make it happen for Harry Kane. I was going. I was going to go back to what I was going to ask you earlier, Adam, about um, the whole international thing because I think it's going to be if you're really making that comparison between Ronaldo and Messi, then yeah, it kind of checks out because. Mbappe will, like Ronaldo, will have a better international career than Haaland can ever hope to have with Norway. Um, mm. Same thing with... And, uh, but the thing is, I think it's understandable, considering that unless there's other Norwegian talent that is on the level of Haaland, I don't really see it for Norway challenging for top honours, not even in the European Championships, although they might be able to steal one there. But my main thing is that Messi and Argentina should have cleaned up. That's yes. just facts yeah. on facts. Okay. I, I, I disagree. I disagree only because like Comebol is incredibly tough. Yes, like, it is. But I they will, I will continue to like I mean the qualifying campaign is is ma- massively difficult, but to your point, Argentina as a national team was massively massively mismanaged in my opinion over the course of a decade right where there was no plan other than to field Messi, there was no uh development program no no like youth movement like i always cite the uh the germany under 20 success leading to germany you know national team success like they built molded these teams these these players together almost as a cohort and have them playing the same way at youth level keep them in a essentially a bubble and push that into like decide on how you're going to play and then develop develop the a cadre of players they look they they combed the streets for these players for the ozels right to mesh into this magical technical never stopping machine and then groomed them with and and the success at youth level you know gave them i feel the confidence to go up against everybody and go out there and and play so impressively um argentina had an opportunity to do the same thing but they chose to just like put it on messi like we we got messi we're good we got the best player in the world we're good do you think do you think i'm a it's fair to say that they were trying to replicate the same kind of success that they had with Maradona in the. In but the so and people, no, see, because I remember '86, and yes, that was Maradona's. Like he dominated that game, but he didn't score in the final. He did. You know what I mean? Like 
Bruchaga, I think, scored the, the winning goal. There were always players, Batistuta, Gabriel Batistuta was, the, you know, they, there were quality players around him as well. Yes, he was the best player and he was dominant, but, you know, somebody's got to give you an assist every once in a while. Um, and you got to pass off to somebody with the quality to finish. Like, this is what they did not do with Argentina with, and with Messi. And Holland has no hope of, you know, of replicating anything close to those. And I think that's going to be, you know, it's, it's like Lewandowski, right? Like, he's a brilliant striker, but he'll, it'll never happen for him. So there you have it, everybody. I mean, we are talking once again about whether there can be a debate between Haaland versus uh, Kylian Mbappe. We're saying no, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we recognize the fact that everybody wants, you know, their, their two heavyweight titans and their dream clashes and things of that nature. So this is the one that's going to get hyped up. Fair enough. They're talking about Can I say one, yes, th- one ahead, more man. thing about yep. uh, like to give to give Holland his his flowers. The re- one of the reasons why everybody has been bigging him up this week is because, you know, with those two goals, he scored whatever, a record amount of goals in uh, the fewest amount of games in the in the Champions League. Like, it, it's an impressive accomplishment, you know, built on his success at uh, Salzburg leading up to his success at Dortmund. That is a legit, wonderful accomplishment, and he deserves the praise for that. However, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't come close to the levels of Mbappe, and, and I think that that's what makes the the conversation frustrating. This clamoring to make to manufacture a rivalry. It's obvious he admires Mbappe, right? And to Neil's point about Dortmund playing through uh, Marco Royce, is it's like, uh, yeah, that's when um, can, can you put the team on your back and deliver? Right. Like that's going, that's, 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 it's a lot. And I, and I'd like for this guy to be successful because he's talented and I, I want to see wonderful footballing talent flourish. I think it's good for the game. It's good for the world to see excellent players do well, but like, don't, don't, don't make it too much for the kid. So, you know what I mean? Uh, Mbappe has had to deal with this. Like if he's 22 now, he he was like 17 when they won uh league on. You know what I mean? And he, yep. I know Falcao was the top goal scorer, but he must have been close. He must have been the second, second highest goal scorer in the league, or, or at least on Monaco, right? Like he did his fair share. So he's been a focal point for a while, and he's had to play with other uh, magnificent players, like he does with Neymar um, uh, at PSG. So I feel like um, we will, will, will be wise to just sit back and enjoy the show without manufacturing controversy. If a rivalry develops, cool. Otherwise, like, yeah, chill out. Enjoy soccer. There you have it. We're going to have to start segmenting your pearls of wisdom, Amma. I'm going to have to make like music to it and everything. Just so bars, like Amma's yeah, corner or something. You just spit like straight facts for like five minutes. Anyway, <laughs> when we get back. <laughs> 
after we pay a few more bills, we're going to go to extra time again. Shout out to Armour. But yes, let's go pay these bills. We'll be right back. The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors, same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com. Use discount code the Banter Pub FC to save 50% when you cop the sauce. Hashtag boss up. All right. Well, hope you're ready because it's time. It's time. It's time for what? Extra time. So, you know the drill. What uh, moved you? What touched your heart this, uh, this week or in the last week since we uh, last met, gentlemen? 30 seconds, strictly timed this time, purely for the bands, not for any other reason. Anyway, I think we'll go to Neil first. Neil, your time starts now. Mbappe is the third player ever to score a Champions League hat trick against Barcelona at the Camp Nou. There's only the only two players. He is an esteemed company, folks. The only two other players, Foskina Asparilla and Andre Shevchenko. So you want to talk about history, you want to talk about stories, you want to talk about tactics, you want to talk about players. That is esteemed company, ladies and gentlemen, and Nimbis. Esteemed company. Shout out to Mbappe. Thirty seconds perfect. We are gonna go to Adam, Adam, 30 seconds in three, two, one, go. The She Believes Cup is back in Orlando once again, U.S. inviting uh, other countries to join them in the She Believes Cup. Um, just while we're recording, Roosevelt came on in the 64th minute, scored in the 79th minute to bring the win over a great Canada team. Um I'm always excited about women's soccer. Glad to see the uh, NWSL uh, announce some new investors in the Spirit team uh, this week. Um, they announced that the Challenge Cup is coming back in um, April and starting the season. So definitely a good time. I know we talk about the men a lot here, but I'd like to give the women some shine this week as well. Not bad. Not bad. Shout out to the U.S. Women's National Team. I did say when they put their team sheet out how incredibly stacked. Stacked for no reason. Just like options on options. It's ridiculous. Anyway. Quick quick addendum. Quick addendum. Real quick. They subbed Carly Lloyd. It it was three subs at once. They subbed Carly Lloyd and um, uh, forgot who else was playing. But basically, Lavelle and Alex Morgan came in in the second half. That's how stacked it was. So that's how it was. Stacked for no reason. Absolutely stacked for no reason. Shout out to the US Women's National Team, though. The GOATs. Um, um, uh, talk to the kids. Yeah, so, <laughs> so my, my extra time to, today is a little more personal. Uh, for numerous reasons, as COVID included, I've had the opportunity to spend uh, a bunch of time with my parents over the past uh, several months. And this week I did two things. I spent time with um, my son, my soccer playing son, who's been, it's been 
almost exactly a year since he stepped foot on a football pitch in a competitive match uh, because of COVID. And while people get to play, um, he's being cautious, partially because, you know, we have our, he has his grandparents really close by and he's trying to protect them. This is something he's willing to give up in order to safeguard his elders. Um, I had a good conversation with him this week, a 16-year-old. Enjoy the time you have with your children while they're children. The other piece was I spent about three hours doing the genealogy work with my mother um, this week as well. And, you know, take time, talk to your elders, get the stories, understand your own history. Like black history is is American history, but like it's also personal history. So do what you got to do, folks. Uh, spend time with your people while you got them and talk to your parents, talk to your kids. Talk to your elders. Hold everybody close. I think we can allow the rules for something like that. I I, I think we can. I think we can let go of the of the time constraints for that one. Um. Well, me this week, I didn't really have too much to say except for the fact that um I celebrated a birthday last Saturday. Um. So shout out to everybody who really and truly made my day absolutely wonderful um yeah you never really you never really lose sight of the fact that every single revolution that you do around the sun is never guaranteed to you so it just makes it that much more humbling each one you get to greet so i'm just really 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 thankful for the banter pub fc i'm really really thankful for um you know my loved ones uh and being able to see my loved ones the week before that as well is something that has really filled my heart up. So my heart basically is like five times the size that it usually is, which is pretty big. But I would say that now it's absolutely ginormous. I should probably go and see a doctor. I'm absolutely full. Anyway. Um... Wow, I didn't do that to you, Armour. Damn. Anyway, the fact of the matter remains is, is that you have been listening to an <laughs> another episode of the Banter Pub FC, the sauciest team in the what? The game. And the spiciest takes on the what? The pitch. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Banter Pub FC. Follow and subscribe on YouTube and Twitch. And if you like what you heard, please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and review us on your favorite platform. For Neil, Adam, Armour, uh, and though he's not here, Jonathan. Um, and though he doesn't speak Rossler <laughs> my name is Joseph we'll see you next time at the pub be safe be warm and as Armour said love your people while you're gone see you next week